Well, good morning. Good morning. Good to see each and every one of you. We are so happy once again to be here on a Sunday morning to meet with you in your homes. I want to continue to declare something to you every Sunday that there's no distance in the spirit as we're here in the sanctuary worshiping the Lord and Pastor Bob soon is going to bring a word to us that the same Holy Spirit that is with us in this place is meeting with you where you are. You know, this morning, as we enter into worship, there's a word that has been on my heart. Well, in fact, in this entire season, there's a particular word that God has put. Okay, we're going to start this over. Keep going. Okay. This is the joy of live church. So I'm going to continue. There's a word that God has put in my heart and in my wife's heart in this season, and that word is called fortify. And the reason I want to share the word fortify with you this morning is because I believe that's what we do when we gather in the presence of God in the company of other believers. Now, it doesn't matter that we're not in the sanctuary together because you're home with your, with your family, with your wife, with your husband, with your wife, with your children, or with your friends, or even if you're, you just so happen to be by yourself watching this service, you are not alone because Jesus is with you. But the word fortify, I want to give you this definition. It means to strengthen a place with defensive works so as to protect it against attack. You see, when we begin to worship Jesus, we're strengthening our family. We're strengthening uh, the fortitude of our faith. We're strengthening our resolve in who we know our God is. You see, when Moses asked to see God's glory, God hid him in the cleft of the rock. And that was a picture of us being hidden in Christ. That's a picture of when we come to Jesus that our lives are no longer our own, but we died to ourselves and we're now hidden in Christ. So you see, when we come together in the presence of God, we are fortifying ourselves in Him. We, this is a defensive action where we are running into the shelter of the Most High God. So many times in the book of Psalms, King David and other psalmists, they write how God is our strong tower. He is the rock that is higher than I. He is our shelter where we can hide. He is the place that we go. And so as you are worshiping this morning, you are, you are going to God as a defensive act to hide yourself in Him that He will protect you against the attack of the enemy. And I don't know about you, but that's a word worth holding on to. And that's what we've been holding on to. And so I just want to encourage you this morning as we enter into worship to say, God, I am going to hide myself in you right now. That I'm going to come to you, Father, with praise in my heart, with worship on my lips, and I'm going to just lift you up, God. Because the Bible says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And so let's run into the shadow of the Almighty this morning. Let's go into our hiding place in Him and begin to lift Him up. And that's a defensive measure against the attacks of the enemy. So right now I want to pray for you, and we're going to go into worship. Lord, today... This is the day that you have made, and we declare we will rejoice in it, and we're going to be glad in it, Lord. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would begin to invade homes right now. I pray, God, wherever believers are, that they are meeting in the name of Jesus, that you are in their midst, God. I declare, Father, that people are being saved this morning, that people are being healed in their bodies, that they are being delivered, God. And I declare that the attack of the enemy and the lives of your people has become null and void because of the blood of Jesus. Now, Lord, we're going to fortify ourselves today. We're going to run into the shadow of the Almighty, into the secret place 
place and we're going to hide ourselves in you, Father, because you are more than able to take care of your people. And so, Father, I pray as, you, as we begin to worship God that you would invade our space, that wherever we are, wherever we're listening to this message, wherever we're tuning in yet, God, I know, Lord, that you're with us. And so, Father, we pray as we begin to worship you that you would abide in the praises of your people, that you would make your habitation in the worship of your beloved people. So, Father, we pray today that you would have your way in this service in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I want you to grab your family and get, re get ready to worship the Lord, and we're going to get into the Word in a little bit. Darkness tries to roll over my bone. Sorrow comes to steal. Joy, brokenness and pain is all I know. And I won't be shaken. And I won't be shaken. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Stand in your love. My 
worthy of every song I could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever bring. Live for you. Live for you. Jesus, name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. Live for you.
sing a song like this it begins to put all priorities in order it begins to put everything in perspective you see it doesn't matter what's going on in this earth today because if we really believe that Jesus Christ is the Alpha and the Omega that our God and our Savior and our Lord is beyond the beginning and he's beyond the end that this situation in the earth today it has not caught Jesus by surprise it did not catch our God off guard 
our God is King and He is Lord and He is in supreme authority over the earth. Jesus has preeminence above all things that He has first place. We declare this morning in this place, and I want you to declare this in your home, that the blood of Jesus covers my life. Come on, you need to say that with power. You need to say that with authority, that the blood of Jesus covers my life. There's nothing that can come against me in this world that can harm me, that can take away my joy, that can take away my peace, that can take away the love that is for me. You see, Jesus is love, and that love shed his blood for you, that you would know that you are accepted in the beloved, that you are his, that you belong to him. Come on, somebody needs to receive this right now, wherever you are. Lift your hands to heaven and begin to receive the blood of Jesus. Begin to receive salvation. Begin to receive healing in your body. Begin to receive deliverance in your life because the blood of Jesus has been shed for you. Your worth has been found in the blood. You are not lacking. You are not wanting. You are not in fear. Jesus is for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Lord, we thank you for the blood this morning. Come on, can we sing that bridge one more time? Jesus be glorified. Your ways are higher than mine. Wash away every stain. Come on, it's gone. Greater love than the blood of Jesus be glorified. Your ways are higher than mine. Wash away every stain. No greater love than the blood of Jesus be glorified. sense that, that renewed sense of hope in Jesus this morning. 
that renewed sense of faith in who he is and what he has done. Our God is with us. Our God has not failed us. Our God has not left us. Your God, he knows exactly where you are. Thank you, Lord, that you're moving in living rooms right now. Thank you, Lord, that you are moving, Father, wherever your people are. Come on, you need to lift your hands up to him right now and receive what he's doing in your life. Come on, receive it by faith. Come on, lift up your hands, receive it by faith. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you're reaching your people wherever they are. All of those that would call upon your name, hear them. You're answering them even now. Thank you. There's no greater love than that someone, Jesus, that you laid down your life for your brethren, for your people. We received that again this morning. Come on. We can't get... We can't get so far in our Christian lives that we walk away from the elementary truths and the foundation of what makes us who we are. It's the blood of Jesus. Without the blood, we would be nowhere. We would have nothing. We thank you, God, for the greatest gift of the blood of your son, Jesus. And we hold tight to that this morning because you have a plan in this season. You have a plan for your people. You have a plan for your church. I believe that the greatest move of God is nearly upon us. I believe that you're mobilizing your church, your mighty army in the earth today. I believe, God, that you are stirring fresh fire in the hearts of your people right now. I declare that fresh faith is welling up and swelling up on the inside of your people. I thank you, Lord, that it is about to just bubble over. Come on, get ready. God is about to use you like never before. Do not lose heart. Do not give up. Do not, do not lack in faith. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Only believe. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning once again. Good morning once again. Hold on just another moment. I, I don't know if you can sense this in your living room, but the power of God is so strong right now. The presence of God, he has saturated this place. He has saturated this place. We receive of what you're doing, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We received the hope that is in Christ this morning. We declare that you have given us this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure, that we have a living hope because of the resurrection of the dead. Thank you, Lord, that we are not hopeless, but we are hopeful. Come on, declare that over your life. You are not hopeless, but you are hopeful. It is an oxymoron for a Christian to say that we are without hope because Christ in us is the hope of glory. I declare that you are full of hope. You are hopeful. You are prisoners of hope in Jesus' name. Now let that sink in. Hallelujah. I want to welcome you to our Sunday morning service, whether you're watching live or if you tune in later. What God is doing right now, He will continue to do. Amen. Amen. We love each and every one of you. We continue to tell you week after week, we miss you so much. But just know this, that we're praying for you. There's no distance in the spirit. I do want to encourage you. I want to remind you that in this season, if you're going through a hard time or if you had there's sickness in your body, if you're just you're, you're mentally you've been attacked, you're just going through a hard time, 
please reach out to somebody. Send a Facebook message to the church, to one of the pastors. Reach out to any of the leadership. You're not alone in this season. We're doing the best we can to stay in touch with everybody. Phone calls, Facebook messages, things like that. But you have to know that there's strength in unity and there's strength when we're together. I love what our, our pastor put on Facebook earlier in the week that we, we are not called to, to, to preach to an audience or to fellowship with an audience, that it is brothers and sisters living life day to day together. That's who the church is. That's what we are. And so we pray that you would be strengthened in Christ this morning. Amen. And we want to just continue to remind you and thank you for your faithfulness and your giving. We are so overwhelmed by the faithfulness of God's people in this season. You know, what I love about God is God, he's not affected by what takes place in the earth. The economy of heaven, come on, the kingdom of heaven is not affected by what takes place on the earth. God is the God. We say it, but do we believe it? That he is the God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and all of the gold and the silver beneath them. And if God knows the very number of hairs on your head, he knows you by name. He knows your financial situation. I want to remind you, this morning, uh, I just so I was that I get to be here. I got to the church and I couldn't wait to put my tithes in that envelope and in the back because to me it just represents God. This is faith. I'm taking this seed, Lord, and I am sowing it into your kingdom. You see, it's not even about a denomination or, or a particular church. It's about the kingdom and we are sowing seeds in the kingdom of heaven right now. So I want to encourage you and remind you if you need to write a check and mail it to the church, uh, uh, you know, we are receiving that and it's taken care of. You can give on our website. You can text to give. Um, there's various ways that you can give on the app. And so we want to encourage you, continue to be faithful to God in this season. I want to remind you of this. Our true character and our nature of who we are is not really shown until we're put, we're put in times of pressure. And so I pray in this season of pressure that what is coming forth from our lives is faithfulness and is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we had a wonderful time of worship with you this morning. I want to ask you to get your Bibles, get your family once again, surround that television set, that computer, wherever you're watching, and get ready because I know our pastor has a word from God. Thank you, worship team. Amen. Praise God. I want to take a moment before I get into the message this morning and just try to answer a, a question or two. I Even late last night, got a phone call from one of our church folks saying, Pastor, when are we going to be able to come back to church? And uh, so let me just explain to you where we are right now. As you know, um, our governor has said that tomorrow he will be releasing his plan for Louisiana to reopen. We have no clue what that is. We were on conference calls. I had several of them Thursday and Friday with our state senator and congressman. Um, they are working behind the scenes with people on the governor's staff making strong suggestions. We have to wait and see what comes out tomorrow, and then we can make a plan and go from there. So believe me, there's nothing more we want to do than to open the doors and say, hello, here we are. But we know that's going to happen in stages or phases or whatever they decide to call it. 
But we have to wait and see what our governor in Louisiana is going to say tomorrow. So just be in prayer about that. You know, lift them up, those who are making these decisions. And that after that, that the leadership here at Life Church, that we will make godly decisions and, and, and what recourse or course to take in regards to all of that, okay? So that's where we're at right now. Amen. The message this morning that I have for you is simply, I've titled it, The Coming, the coming Wave. And I need to tell you where this is coming from and what I feel like the Holy Spirit has been putting on my heart for all week, actually longer than that. This dovetails in with the message that I gave last week about Jesus passing by. I didn't even think about it. That had him walking on water, and now we're talking about water again this week. So I, I don't know. Maybe the Holy Spirit knows something I don't even know there. But um, again, this past Wednesday morning, uh, I came and opened the church up for uh, morning prayer for the men that come on Wednesday mornings. And um, as I was sitting here in the sanctuary, again, right in my little spot right over there, and... Um, I had been praying in the spirit for 10, 15 minutes or so, and maybe 20 minutes, I don't know, but uh, I just felt, I felt a moving, like a stirring on the inside, and, and as I was sitting there, I suddenly, uh, the Holy Spirit gave, showed me a vision. Now, I need to clarify what I mean by that, that uh, first of all, I've taught on this before years ago. There are different types of visions mentioned in the Bible, and it was not an open vision. An open vision is something that you literally see with your physical eyes. It was not that type of vision, but it was a vision in my spirit. It was just as real. <clears throat> it's just, just as real as watching a television screen. I saw this. I experienced this. Um, and so... Let me tell you what I saw and then what I believe the Holy Spirit, what I know the Holy Spirit is saying to us at Life Church. And I believe that there is a, a, a group of people out there that God is stirring the same thing in their lives. And so you may be here in the city or the surrounding area. You may be in another country and God is going to be speaking the same word to you. But he showed me a vision, and, and then uh, I, I got out my phone real quick, and the reason why I had to start typing up what I was seeing, because I, I didn't want to forget, and I didn't want to miss a word, I didn't want to miss a, a scene that I, that I was seeing, and, uh, but it was like I was suddenly transported, and I was standing on a rocky shoreline along the coast. And I found myself standing next to the remnants of a house that had obviously been destroyed by a storm, like a hurricane that had come ashore. And this house being built right along the shoreline had been obliterated, literally. And as I walked over to examine the damage that was there, the only thing that was left was the foundation. And there were a couple... Um, studs in the wall, a couple two-by-fours, like one or two just standing, one kind of crossed over that had fallen, and, and they were just kind of in a heap right there, and that's all that there was. And, and, but I noticed that the foundation was basically cleared. There wasn't, it wasn't like it needed to be cleared off. It was like it literally had been swept clean. 
And so I thought to myself in this vision, I thought I might as well get busy and, and clear away the rubble and rebuild this house. And as I took hold of one of the two by fours that was sort of left standing, I happened to look out into the ocean. And as from that point, what I saw, saw afar off in the ocean was a wave that was building. And I don't know if you've ever sat there at the ocean and watched, uh, I mean, I know a lot of people go down to the Gulf, and to me, that's not the ocean. The Gulf is not the ocean. You have to go to, like, the East Coast or the West Coast because th th those waves are so much larger and because there's no land that's impeding the action that's going on there. And, and I remember as a child going down to the ocean when I lived up in the Northeast and we lived on, right at the beach and, and, and I would watch the waves way, way off and they would just start to roll. Didn't look like much, but as they got closer and closer and closer, that roll would get larger and larger and larger until it would begin to roll over the top. And when I lived in California, I remember going to the, to the ocean many times to go, to go down there to go surf. And, and you'd, you'd have to learn how to catch those waves. Sometimes they would roll, but they would trick you. But others would roll, and they'd keep building, and eventually would curl and then roll over and, and break, or what we called the breakers. And um, so I, in this vision, I, I went to remove the last couple boards that were standing, and I looked and I saw this roll in the water out there, and, and I realized at that point, as far from shore as it was, as large as that roll of the wave was, that it was probably going to continue to grow as it approached the shoreline. And in my mind, I remember thinking that if I rebuilt the house, that that wave was going to destroy it. So my thought was to wait until that wave passed before I could rebuild the house. But in that very moment, the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not understanding. And he told me go to, to go to the book of Haggai. And so I went to the book of Haggai chapter 2. And I'm going to read several verses to you and then kind of break this down for you. But here it is. He says, and it's beginning in verse 2, the prophet says, Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josedek, jo the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jezedek, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. And this is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear." This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord 
Almighty. And then he says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Now, let me just kind of set this in context a little bit so that we can understand what's going on. And then let me give you application to this. The prophet Haggai actually has a very short ministry window that we know about him. He, he actually records four prophecies over a three-month period of time. Now, he may have prophesied more. He may have had a ministry that was longer than that, but this is probably one of the shortest um, uh, ministries that we know about. For three months, he gave four prophecies, and that's all that we know. I'm not going to talk about all four of the prophecies, but I want to just give you a, a, a little insight into the first two prophecies. And the first prophecy is in Haggai chapter 1, and begin, it's verses 1 through 15. And let me just summarize it for you. Here's what happened. God reproved the people for their apathy in allowing the temple of God to lay in ruins. Meanwhile, they were busy building nice houses for themselves. The Bible talks about with paneled walls and everything. And he says, in other words, you let my house lay in ruins, but you're busy about building your own house. And God reminded them of their lack of success in everything that they were doing because they were not honoring God. And you can go back and read this yourself. He says, you've planted this, but you haven't reaped anything. You put money in your pockets, but it's like there's holes in your pockets. I mean, he said, you've just not had success in what you were doing, even though you had the appearance of it because you're building nice houses to yourself. And the result of that prophecy that within 24 days of, of Haggai, given that prophecy, we find in the scriptures in verse 12 and 15 of chapter 1, that they, they, the people repented and commenced building the house of God. Okay? So that was the first prophecy. The second prophecy is found in chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And I just read uh, verses 2 through 9 to you. And so as they began building this new temple, this new house of God, if we can put it that way, um, the people began comparing the glory of Solomon's temple with the one that they were building now. And the people were, were discouraged. They really became so discouraged because they said, the stories that we heard about Solomon's temple and what we know, the splendor of it and everything, David had set aside everything. David wanted to build it, but his son Solomon ended up building it. But the splendor of it, down through the generations, nothing could compare to that. And so the people became discouraged because of what they had been told, and they even began to question whether or not they should even continue building this one because it was going to be in such... It was going to look like rags compared to the glory and the splendor of Solomon's temple. And after all, I mean, they had all been told on the day. I mean, these people knew what happened when Solomon's temple was dedicated. The scripture tells us, 2 Chronicles 5, you can read it in other places. But the glory, the Shekinah glory of God came down so strong and so manifest that God entered into the temple and the priest and the musicians who were in the temple 
ministering were pushed out by the presence of God. The glory of God filled the house and pushed them all out. I mean, that's, that's what they've heard. That's what they've known, okay? And so they're discouraged. They're like, you know, why are we even building this? Because there's no way it's going to compare to that. And, and, and they, were, they were getting discouraged. And so what happens here is the prophet begins to prophesy. And here's what he says to them. He says, who of you is left who saw the house in its former splendor? The word says glory, but the word literally means splendor. In other words, the outward trappings, the, the, the gold inlays, the, the, the columns, everything. He's saying, who of you has seen that? Who of you among you remains that has seen that? Basically, no one had been there, had seen that. They just heard of that and they had this, this picture in their mind of what that was going to be. And so what he declares to them, he says, he says while that previous temple, yes, it was built in glory or with tremendous splendor, the prophecy of Haggai says in chapter 2 is, he says, he says, what I'm going to tell you is that the glory that's going to fill this house is going to make that house be put to shame. Now, that's what I'm telling you. That's what he said to him. He said, because he said, there is a superior glory that is coming, okay? And the word glory there does not mean splendor. It's, it's the, the Hebrew word kabod, which means glory, which means the weightiness or the presence or the manifestation of, the, of God himself. That's when, as when God came down in Solomon's dedication of his temple. God stepped down and filled his house and the weightiness of God pushed everybody out, okay? So he's using this word glory, but it's two different meanings. He's saying, yes, Solomon's temple had splendor. It was incredible to look at. And if I've traveled around the world and I've been privileged to see many sites. And when you sit them, they just see them. It just take your, your breath away. I mean, you're like, wow. Okay, that's, that's what I'm talking about. But Haggai is saying, look, this building may not have all the splendor that Solomon's temple is, but I'm prophesying to you, there's a glory coming that's going to fill this house, that's going to put that house to shame, okay? That's what he was saying. That's what he was saying because he says the, the, the desire of the nations is going to come and fill this house. Who is the desire of the nations? That's Jesus. That's God himself, okay? So that's the setting for the passage of scripture because I don't want to take anything out of context but there's application here so when I was praying and the Holy Spirit showed me this house and showed me that wave coming and I thought well this wave's going to destroy the house if we rebuild it God was saying no go to Haggai and read this so that you understand what this coming wave is all about and so as I read those verses that morning, I got my Bible out, and I began to read it, and the Holy Spirit began to download these things into my heart and my spirit. I, gave, he, I gained insight into the vision that he was giving me, and he showed me that the house that was damaged by the storm was the modern-day structure of the modern-day church. Okay? In other words, and what had happened in this storm, it had been stripped to the foundation. 
Now, in the vision, the foundation was clean. It wasn't anything. Normally, when you see damage from a storm, you see the remnants of the building collapsed on. No, this foundation was clean. There was like one little two-by-four and one leaning against it standing in the corner, and that was it. It was like it was ripped to shreds, and it was, there, was not, there wasn't any dirt on it. There wasn't any rubble on it. There was nothing. It was washed clean. And I heard as I read that, and I realized that the Holy Spirit, I heard him saying, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory, and how does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? And, and, and in other words, it was like the Holy Spirit was saying, look what the storm has done. Look what this pandemic has done. Look what this time that of cleansing, if I can put it that way, on the earth, this pandemic virus has done. It has exposed the structural flaws of the current house. And, and, and the foundation was clean. The foundation was strong. And immediately my mind went to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19 to 22. And Paul writes to the believers there and he says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him... The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The prophet Haggai was told to look at the condition of the present house. It, it may have laid in ruins. The thing is that God's house at that time was laying in ruins. It was laying in disrepair. But he told the people, fear not. The spirit of God is with you. God covenanted with you. He made a covenant with you in Egypt. He, that covenant is still there. It still remains. And here's what we need to understand. And that is this, that God's covenant was and is not with a building or a denomination or a specific ministry. God's covenant is with the people. And, and, and in the vision Wednesday morning, as I went to, to rebuild the house, but I saw the wave and I thought, don't do it, that wave will destroy it. I heard the Holy Spirit saying, that he said, you are not to rebuild this house that the storm tore down. And I was like, why? In the vision, I, why? And, and the Holy Spirit said that the structure was ripped apart to expose the fallacy of it, to expose the misconception or the mistake in its structure. So you're wondering, what was wrong with it? I'll tell you what he showed me, what he spoke to me right then. He said, the present structure, he said, if you rebuild it like it was, the present structure cannot handle the wave of glory that is about to come. Now this goes back to the parable that Jesus spoke about in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it's the parable of the wineskins. I'm just going to read one verse from Mark chapter 2. 
Jesus said to them, no one pours new wine and old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine and new wineskins. Now, when the wineskins were new, when they would they would sew these together and they would make them. They were made of a material that was flexible. They were, when they would be filled, they could expand. And, and as wine ferments, it puts off the gas. And so it's going to expand. But as the wine skins over time, as they're emptied and then they're left emptied, what happens is they dry out and they become brittle. And if you refill old wineskins that are dry and brittle, the fermentation process of making wine is going to necessitate an expansion, and that expansion will cause the brittle skins to burst. And, and if that happens, then not only is the wineskin lost, but ultimately the wine that was poured in it is also going to be lost. So in this vision, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. He says, do not try to rebuild the house as it was. It will not, and I wrote this down, it will not be able to hold the wave of glory that is coming. And I watched as the wave continued to build like a tidal wave. It just began to build and build and build. But this, this wave that was coming was not a wave that was going to bring destruction. It was a wave of empowerment of the Spirit of God upon his church. In Haggai 2, verse 4, we read it earlier, but look what it says. But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Then he says, be strong, Joshua. And then he says to the people, be strong, all the people of the land. Three times, God says, be strong. Three times. Now, the word strong here means to strengthen, prevail, to harden, to be strong, to become strong, be courageous, be firm, grow firm, or be resolute. And that last word really caught my, mind, caught my, my attention, that word resolute. And I said, I, I think I know what that means, but I'm going to go look it up just to be sure. And so here's what resolute means. It means be firm, unyielding, stubborn. See, I've been resolute all my life. I didn't know that. <laughs> Unbendable, determined, unwavering, tenacious, persevering, staunch, purposeful. All of those things fall under the definition of resolute. And so as I begin to think about this, I realize God was saying there's a wave of my glory that is coming and God is showing us that he's about to bring forth something that the church has been crying out for God to do for decades. And God is about to birth revival. A wave of glory is going to cover the earth. As the waters cover the sea, the glory of God is going to come. But I've said this before, like a natural birth. You can take all the classes and you can study all the things about what birth is going to be. But when a child is coming into the world, those classes and everything, a lot of it goes right out the window because there is no textbook case where every single birth is exactly alike. And my point in this is this, that you think you know what's coming 
but you really don't realize until it actually begins to happen, okay? And God is telling us that this is a time of awakening. It is a time of shaking, but it is a time of awakening. This is, this is the word that keeps coming to mind. I believe that there are people all over the earth where there's an awakening taking place on the inside. There are people who are sitting in churches or sitting at homes right now all over the world, and they're watching messages, and they're looking for an answer, and they're trying somewhere, somebody say something that will reach down into the very spirit and heart of who they are. And I'm telling you that God says there is an awakening that is going on. And God's people are going to have to decide if they want to read about the wave of God's glory that's coming. Or if they want to be a part of the wave of what God is about to do. I've mentioned it before that the, the American church as a whole has, is, is consumer oriented. And it's all about self. It's all about themselves. What can we get out of it? What can you offer me? What these things. But I believe with all my heart and mind and soul and strength that God has allowed this time to happen so that his people have the opportunity to stop, step back, and examine the church versus the commission. See, we talk about the church, but God established a commission to his people. And I'd honestly, if you look at the church and you look at the commission, the two pretty much don't look alike at all, at least in America. And the Lord has allowed this storm to take the current structure down to the foundation and what he whispered to my heart, he said, he said, you've got to build the next house on the foundation of the apostles and the early church. You've got to remove everything that cannot contain the coming glory. Again, he showed me the foundation of the building that had been destroyed and the Holy Spirit whispered and said, that foundation that is clean, it's, it's tidy, it's not, it's not dirty, it's, it's just sparkly clean. He said, that is the foundation of the apostles found in the book of Acts. And so I went back to the book of Acts chapter two, beginning with verse 42 and it says, and they, who's they? The people, the early church, the people. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 souls were saved. <clears throat> they, <clears throat> they are the they, okay? <laughs> it wasn't the disciples. It was they, those people, those believers, those who converted to Christ. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, <clears throat> excuse me, and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone... I want you to see this. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common, and they sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. And every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, 
praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Go back and read the early chapters of the book of Acts. You had 3,000 here. You had several thousand here. You had hundreds here. You had whole towns that were converted. I'm telling you the glory of God fell not when Jesus was on the earth. Yes, he was here. The manifest presence of Christ was here. But when he went back to heaven, the spirit of God was poured out and the glory of God came like a tidal wave from region to region to region to region. And the people came into the kingdom. My friends, that's what's about to happen. See, God said this is the foundation that this house has to be rebuilt on. The new wineskins need to be built for the new wine that's about to come. And I felt the Holy Spirit give me two warnings. And the first one was this, that this, for this to take place, will take the effort of every follower of Jesus Christ. And what do I mean? Not that the God can be hindered by the wave. The wave's coming. The wave of his glory is coming. I'm talking about the rebuilding of the house to contain that glory. It's going to take the effort of every single follower of Jesus Christ, okay? And, the, and that was the first warning. He said it's going to take the efforts of everyone, not just a few. You can't have 20% carrying the load for 100%. Now, I understand that there will be people who don't know Christ and the people who are brand new in God, and they don't understand this. But everyone with discernment and understanding, with a spiritual ear, they're going to have to be involved in this. And then the second warning that he spoke to me was that those who sit on the sidelines or standing around waiting for others to do it, they will miss out on it. Listen, when the first time I, I went to learn to surf in California when I was a kid, and I went to surf, I, I, thought I, I thought, you know, when you're young, I got this, man. I got this figured out, yeah. I saw them guys out there you know, laying on their boards waiting, and then you'd see a, you know, a wave starting to build, and, and you'd think, I'm all right, all right. And then you'd see those guys that were experienced taking off. I'm like, where are you going? The wave ain't even got here yet, you know? And, and, and I'm thinking, I can wait a little bit longer, wait a little bit longer. And all of a sudden, that thing would just begin to swell, and I'd start paddling like crazy, you know? But you know what? That thing would come past me, and, and I would go right back down, and that wave would break up there where those guys had already taken off. The Holy Spirit reminded me of that. He said, son, the time is now. It ain't next week, it ain't next month, it ain't next year, it's now. He said, just like you gotta start paddling, that wave is coming, that house has to be rebuilt, but it's gonna be rebuilt on the foundation of the apostles and the early church. Go back to verse four again, look what it says, be strong, be now strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, all you people of the Lord, declares the, of, of, of the land, declares the Lord, and work. I've highlighted that for you. And work. What does that mean for Life Church? Here's what I'm going to tell you is I cannot speak for any other fellowship. I cannot speak for any other congregation. But for Life Church, I'm telling you, it's time.
God in this storm that has come across the land in the form of a virus or whatever, whatever you want to call it, okay? He has exposed the faultiness of the structure of the house and God is saying, you've been building nice houses to yourself and you've let my house fall down and be in disrepair. So I've cleaned the deck. I've cleaned the foundation. And now it's time for those who have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. It's time to work. It's time to rebuild on the foundation of the apostles. And I got up from there and after I wrote everything down, I said, Lord, I don't want to forget one word. And, and, and I began walking up and down that, along that wall over there. And I just kept saying, rebuild, rebuild. Lord, we rebuild. We're going to rebuild, but not rebuild with the way it was. Rebuild according to what you're saying. It, it, it's time to rebuild the house. See, it's, it's not going to look like the one before, just as the one in Haggai's day wasn't going to look like Solomon's temple before. But he says, but I'm telling you, he said, the glory that's coming is going to put that house to shame. And, and, and I have to stop and tell you this because um, I got a text message from someone that I'm sure is watching right now. And I had, but I had shared with a couple of pastors this past week this very same thing a few years back. I don't remember how many years, when you get my age, a few years, maybe a couple of years ago or seven years ago, I don't know. But it was, seemed like just a few years back, maybe four, five, six years ago, I don't know. But this individual came to me and they had had a dream. I'm not going to go into all the depths of the dream, but uh, there were different parts to it. But there was one particular part in, the, in that uh, we realized that Two vehicles had pulled up under the awning uh, out here at Life Church. They'd come from separate directions. And, um, and then the one was one color, one was another. And I'm not going to get into all that. But what the Holy Spirit showed me by the two vehicles coming from two dif different directions. He said, one represents the spirit move of God and one represents the word. And when the spirit and the word collide, he said, there's going to be an explosion of glory. And so... Um, we became aware all of a sudden the, the, the light outside from the office window in the reception area that had been bright, bright, bright. All of a sudden it just turned like nighttime. It just turned dark. And um, we, we didn't know what was going on. And we saw these, in the reflection in the window, we saw these vehicles that had pulled up. We, we didn't know who they were or what they were here for. And, and then all of a sudden it turned black as night outside. And so we went to go out and see who was here and went to grab the office door and opened it. But when we opened it, there was another door. So we grabbed the office door and I opened it again. And there was a third door. But this time the door didn't open inward, the door opened outward. And so we came and stood outside in the foyer looking under the carport and saw those two vehicles. And there were people who had, who had come who had they were loading their vehicles. There was a huge storm coming in the distance. And that's why it had turned so dark. But they were loading their vehicles up with supplies, like a triage unit would, would load things up, getting ready to be sent onto the front lines of a, 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 of a scene of you know, damage that was taking place or something like that. And, but they, they, weren't, they weren't rattled. They had been trained for it. 
They were ready. They had been trained. And, and the equipment and stuff they needed was stored in one of the rooms over here. And they were just loading their vehicles. And when they loaded their vehicles, they looked at and gave us the thumbs up like, we got this. And then they took off. And, and that was the end of the dream, at least the, what I remember of it. And I, I, I was like, God, what are you saying? He said, I said, first of all, what's the three doors? <laughs> what's the three doors? And why did one open different than the other two? And, and it took a little while, and then the Holy Spirit said, how many pastors have been here at this church? I said, well, Lord, I'm the third one. He said, the first two doors represented their view of ministry. Everything came inward towards them, to their office. He said, the third door opens outward. And that's, he said, the ministry here has been focused in. He said, but the ministry the team that you need to prepare is for one that goes out. And so when, when I, we saw the vehicles, they were loading up. The, 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 the vehicles represent ministry and the, the supplies and everything. They, I'm, I'm telling you, they had first aid kits. They had, they had all kinds of medical equipment. They had all kinds of stuff. And that's not what it was about, but it showed that they had been trained and prepped and ready for this moment when there was a storm coming. And it was in the darkest of night that God said, the glory of my life is going to shine the brightest. And so and I, I realized this. And so last night I'm, I'm praying about this. I'm like, Lord, help me, please. And I was getting phone call after phone call after phone call yesterday. And, and finally I said, I need to know what you're saying here. And let me wrap this up. And the Holy Spirit said, I can assure you that the minute anyone grabs hold of this, the enemy of the church, the kingdom of darkness is going to do everything it can to stop it. He will cause people to become disheartened just as in the days of Haggai. They were, they, they were caught comparing their building with the splendor of, a, of the previous temple. He said, tell your people, tell my people, do not compare yourselves to the churches and fellowships and congregations in this area. You may not do things the way other churches are going to do things. We cannot compare ourselves to what other churches are going to do. Here's what he told me. This is the key. This is the key. I mean, I wish I could convey this to you. He spoke to me. He said, you must keep your eyes on the coming wave of God's glory. You cannot be distracted. You cannot be disheartened. You cannot give in to despair. You cannot give in to discouragement. You cannot give in and compare what others are doing. He said, yes, they may be building the splendor of their ministries or their buildings or whatever. They're building a name to themselves. He said, but you've got to keep an eye on the wave. He said, because the glory of this house is going to be the greater than the glory of the first house because the, the glory is the kabod. It is the, it is the weightiness of God. And listen to me. When the manifest presence of God comes on the house, you don't have to advertise it. It's like 
You don't have to advertise when a house is on fire. Everybody finds out and everybody shows up. And when the glory of the manifest presence of God fills the house, they'll be coming from miles. The Shekinah glory doesn't need advertisement. The glory of God has its own way of drawing people. And listen, he told me, he said, Bob, you got to understand. He said, the rebuilding will not be without cost. Listen, we live in a society and culture today. We want it instant, we want it fast, and we want it painless. God said, if you're going to build a house that I want built, that's going to be able to contain the glory wave that's coming, he said, there's going to be a cost to it. He said, understand, it will not be without effort. It's going to take effort. It's going to take uh, commitment. But all my friends, I felt this, and I began to weep and, and just with joy, and just, just like it was like the Lord was just tickling me on the inside. I don't know how else to explain it because I felt a weight of responsibility. But then it was like he was saying, but my son, this rebuilding will be worth it all. See, my parents, if they taught me one thing at a young age, he said, they used to tell me anything in life worth having is worth working for. Thomas Edison once said, I never did anything worth doing by accident, nor did any of my inventions come by accident. They came by work. So let me close. The foundation is laid, and the cornerstone is set. And what he showed me in the vision is the choice is ours. Whether we will have the vision the resolve, the perseverance to press forward. My friends, I close with this scripture. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And so often this verse is used talking about the life hereafter. While that may be true, I'm telling you, we cannot even imagine what God is getting ready to do. When I was a young man, in the early years of my walk with the Lord, my teenage, late teenage years, I remember a prophecy that was given by a prophetic individual. He said, the day will be coming when you will see ambulances passing the hospitals and backing up their vehicles to the churches for the glory and the miracles of God will be taking place. I've many times forgotten about that. The Lord reminded me of it again this week. He said, I do not speak that which I will not do. And my question for you, dear Christian brother or sister, is are you ready for the coming wave? If not, it's time to repent. 
We need to ask God to search our hearts, scrape down to the foundation where we are. Just everything, scrape it clean. Anything that would, that would get in the way of God, you doing the work that needs to be done in my life because I am not going to sit on the sidelines. I am not going to sit there waiting for it to come because by the time it comes, it will be too late to start getting in. Lord, I'm starting now. I'm going to move now. Search my heart and see if there be anything in me and get it out of the way. Let the wave of your spirit come now and cleanse me, my mind, my heart, my soul, my inward parts, every part of me, God. Are my words pleasing to you? Are the things that I view pleasing to you? Are the things that I listen to pleasing to you? If not, it's time to repent. Get the, the, get all the junk out of the way and rebuild. Rebuild on the foundation of God's word. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you can take these pitiful words that I've tried to convey out of my own self, God, my, that you would empower them. You would strike the cord in the heart of anyone who's watching right now, who will be watching later, that God, they would cry out, they would fall on their knees, and they would cry out and say, Lord Jesus, cleanse my mind and my heart and my soul. Tear everything down that hinders your presence in my life. Tear everything down that would hinder the working of your spirit in my life. God, bring me to that place. I'm not going to stand in the background anymore. I'm not going to hide on the back row anymore. I'm coming up to the front. And if nobody else comes, I'm coming and saying, God, here I am. Use me to rebuild your house. Let the wave of your glory come. Let the wave of your glory come. My friends, if you're sitting out there and you don't know Christ, you need to repent. I'm telling you, you need to repent. What God has in store, how much he loves you, is so incredible and you cannot know it for your sin separates you. Right now, right where you're at, if you've not have a relationship with Jesus, right now, just tell him, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I surrender my life to you. You take control from this day forward. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Are you ready? for the coming wave. I don't know about you, 
I've been waiting. I'm ready. If you're ready, would you just raise your hand right where you're at right now through the camera lens? I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. We've had people tuning in from Great Britain and Asia and South America and Europe. I'm telling you, raise your hand. Let the wave of God's glory come your way right now. Get ready. Get ready. It's coming. It's already started. I've seen it. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know we've already prayed. I felt some of the words to this song, Waves of Glory, just seem to fit. So we're just going to let it play. Let it be, be a prayer for you right now, right where you're at. And then we'll speak a blessing over you.
Yes, Lord, let your glory cover the earth. Father, I speak blessing over your people. I pray that the vision would capture their heart and that this week, Lord God, they would say, Holy Spirit, look deep inside, strip down to the foundation, anything that doesn't belong, that you might come and that the glory of heaven might fall, not only in my life, but that I might be a carrier of that presence, that glory, that part of that wave of what is coming. Father, we speak blessing over them, the encouragement over them. Father, give them strength to face situations they may be facing right now. In the name of Jesus, give them favor. Doors that are closed right now in the job area, some doors that have closed, God's about to open in a different arena and it will be a better door than what you already had. When that happens, you need to let us know. I, see, I saw that door close and I saw another one swing open. One door was small, one door was large. God's getting ready to open some big doors for, for some of you. I want you to tell us about it when that happens. I encourage you this week, find a picture of a wave. Put it someplace where you're going to see it. Put it on your phone. Put it on the refrigerator. Put it on your desk. Put it in your car. And every time you see the wave, say, Lord, I see the wave of your glory coming. I see the wave of your glory coming. I see the wave of your glory coming. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. God bless you. We love you. Can't wait to see you soon. Until then, in Jesus' name, go in peace.